Welcome to the Semicolon Club podcast. On today's episode, we are sharing a recent lunch and learn that was conducted by Dr. Mark Parker, a colorectal surgeon here in the Birmingham, Alabama community. We hope you enjoy this podcast. If you would like more information about Rump Shaker hosting a lunch and learn for your organization, please contact us at Jackie.Turner at RumpShaker5K.com. So first things first, everybody wants to know why in the world would you pick colon and rectal surgery? So the kind of normal conversations go down like this with my wife, who I've been married to for 26 years. So she has a medical degree by default for putting up with me. But uh, I normally answer that sarcastically first by just going, well, I I finished last in my class. There was nothing else to pick. Um, But the actual real reason is I was kind of raised by my granny. And, um, and so colon and rectal cancer work, as I went through my training, allowed me to work with people that back then were a lot like my granny. Because when I was young, I thought 50 was old because my granny was 50 raising me. Well, now that I'm almost 50, I realize that's not old. Uh, luckily, I'm not raising a child or a grandchild, but... Um, as I went through my surgery training, I realized too that my colon cancer patients when I was a resident all did well and we got to see them back in clinic um, and we got to cure a lot of them by telling them your surgery was successful. On the flip side, and I apologize if anybody in the audience is dealing with this or a family member, but what I realized is my liver patients and my pancreatic cancer patients, a lot of them did not do well and we would do great big surgeries, uh, and then they would still not make it very long uh, before they succumb to their disease. And so I chose this field, if anybody's wondering, because it's a curable cancer. And that's our whole point of this month of March, is this is a curable cancer. Um, I normally try to do audience participation, make you raise your hands and do stuff, so we can't do that here. But what I would speak to is that if you're uh, a person and you're above 50, and we're gonna, we're gonna cover that age discrepancy here in a minute as well, but if you're 50 and God gave you a hind end, then you need a colonoscopy, it's that simple. There's no other way around it. Not a cologuard, not a hemocult test, not any other thing around that. And we're gonna, I'm laying out some things to dispel some myths while we speak, but the gold standard in the United States of America to cure colon cancer is having a colonoscopy. So for some that don't know, let's talk about what it is first, and then we'll talk about why you need it. A colonoscopy is about a 10 to 12 minute test that is done fully sedated. You don't hear me talking about Alabama football or my son at Auburn or deer hunting or anything under the sun because you're completely sedated no pain whatsoever. Now, what are we doing? We're taking a fiber optic tube about the size of my index finger, and it has a light and the camera on the end, and we just work all the way through the colon. Now, the colon and the large intestine are the same thing. So sometimes I say colon, sometimes I say large intestine. That's 8th Avenue turning into Claremont. It's the same street. 
So once we get all the way around, then we back the camera out very slowly and we're looking for polyps. The reason that colon cancer is curable is we're actually not wanting to screen for cancer. We're wanting to screen for polyps because polyps will grow into cancer. So it's a little bitty polyp that grows and grows and grows and grows and turns into a cancer. So if we go way over here and at age 50, we stratify America and we put people on the low risk side, you have polyps or we put people on the high risk. I mean, the low risk side, you don't have polyps. The high risk side you do. If you're low risk, you come back every seven to 10 years. If you're high risk, you come back every three to five years. But the main goal is to find out who has polyps take them out, and then pay attention a little bit closer. Now, the stats show that about 30% of people at age 60 will have polyps. And we do that from long time ago studies. Well, then what we've realized over the last 10 years, so that's where the age 50 came up. We said, back it up 10 years. Then we went to the insurance companies and said, what will y'all pay for? And they said, every 10 years at age 50. Okay, fine. Well, now the reality is data has come out over the last 30 years and, and what we've published, meaning the colorectal society and our newest uh, recommendations have come out from the American Cancer Society, that the actual screening age should be 45 because the only age group where colon cancer is still significantly increasing, just like you see all the COVID curves, colon cancer is still going up in age 40 to 49. Well, what does that tell us? That tells us that the screening at age 50 and above has finally worked. Now we haven't decreased the curve, it's flat though. So that means we're winning, but really we're just treading water. In a um, educated city like Birmingham metro area, we still only screen somewhere between 50 to 60% of people. So you can imagine where I'm from in Decatur, or where my hunting camp is in Selma, we've got a 30 to 40% at best screening rate. So we have a tremendous amount of work to do to spread the word, to get the fact out there that a, a colonoscopy is simple. Nobody likes to prep, totally understand that, but that's just part of it. But if we can make a difference through a very simple screening process that doesn't hurt, then uh, we could cure colon cancer. Uh, if we could just screen every 50 year old today. Main problem again, what I just highlighted, most 50-year-olds don't come in. They mean to, they tell their GYN, they promise they will. They tell their wife, oh honey, I'll do that next year. I'm too busy. We got to side the yard and then we got to do this and, and something comes up and then somebody else, you know, something does happen and then suddenly you're 57 and you got a problem. Well, I'm not having any bleeding. Why do I got to go get checked? My doctors, and this is the problem too, and, and hear me say this. My doctor says, I don't have to go till I have a symptom. Well, my reply to that is very simple. And this is what I love when I speak to places like Dunn Construction. I spoke to 250 men and women, the people who like wear the yellow thing on the side of the road, like they're real men and women working hard. And I told them, I said, raise your hand if you got a truck. Because I'd already pulled up and there's like 50 $50,000 trucks out in the parking lot. So they all raise their hand. And I'm like, well, raise your, raise your hand if, or keep it up if you get the oil changed every 5,000 miles in that company truck. Everybody raise their hand. So it's okay. So we got a $50,000 truck. We change the oil every 5,000 miles. 
we got a $9 billion piece of engineered equipment called the human body and you won't go get one test. So what I'm saying is take care of what God has given you. Use, and I, and I don't care if you're a believer or not a believer, so I'm not going to get on a soapbox about that, but we, we have a body that is an engineered piece of equipment and far be it from us not to take care of it. Um, we have the technology. And we have the ability to make it easy. Um, so obviously now what I'm getting at is uh, everybody needs to be screened if you haven't been screened. Um, everybody's late if it's you're 51 years old because you would never wait on that truck to start having white smoke come out of the muffler before you take it in to get the oil change. By then it's too late. It breaks our heart when we see people who are 54 years old or, and they've been bleeding, um, you know, for a couple years, but hey doc, you know, you get that elbow, hey doc, that's bright red blood, you know, that's my hemorrhoids, right? And I'm like, mm, no. I won't, I won't tell you my accountant's name, but I'll tell you how passionate I am about what I do. Um, in, in my past years, my accountant, I knew had some bleeding issues and an extreme fear of doctors. And I totally understand that. So it's up to guys like me to just kind of smooth that over. But he just wouldn't come in. And I was like, look, I gotta come see you every year or the government will get me. And uh, I said, but every year I tell you, are you bleeding? Yeah, I'm bleeding. Well, you know, you probably die. No, it's bright red blood. I don't have a problem. So finally I called him at a restaurant with his wife. And I went by, introduced myself, told her who I was told her how much I appreciated what he did for me. And then he'd probably be dead in a year because he'd been bleeding for two years. And uh, so he came and got a colonoscopy uh, the next week because his wife, who, if you're a wife in the audience and, uh, and, and your husband won't come get screened, you got ways to get him in. I mean, there's we got to pull some strings because even if he won't do it for you, I will use anything I can to get people to come get screened. I'll use grandkids. I'll use their children. I'll use an upcoming graduation. But at the end of the day, um, all of you guys in this audience are too important to too many people not to get screened. So then the last thing I'll deal with, because I really like to open it up to questions and make sure this is a targeted um, uh, discussion, is when do I quit getting screened? Because there may be some people in here that are approaching 70 and somebody has told you, well, you don't have to get screened after 70. Great question. So this is my answer. If you're too old to get screened, then you're probably too old to drive and you're too old to do your checkbook. So go on in. If you're 71 and you're tired of getting screened, go and give your checkbook and your car keys to your children and let them start taking care of you. When everybody starts going on this, well, he's a smarty pants. Well, the issue is this, we are all living way longer than, uh, than we did 30 years ago. And not only living longer, but the Birmingham metro area is living healthier. And I have 80 year olds playing master's level tennis. And so I treat everybody as how they appear, not based on their date of birth on a piece of paper. So if you're functional and healthy and you're 75, then you keep getting screened. If you are on a cane and a walker and, you, and you're not doing your, your checkbook anymore, well, then you don't need to be screened. But I, we have now pushed the screening rate up to 80. 
if you want a hard number, and then I reevaluate. Now I have a, a lady who's 88 years old, um, and I did her screen two weeks ago. She still lives independent by herself and drives to church every Sunday. So the last thing that I want to do is, is the example I'm going to give you. Everybody remembers the big snowstorm from several years ago that shut downtown, shut it down. Well, our clinic is downtown, and Amanda had, didn't say it, but I, I'll say it. Our clinic is called the Alabama Colon Rectal Institute. Well, it's affectionately known as the butt hut because we're going to have fun doing what we do. Well, Mr. and Miss Malone, and I can use their name because they know that I shared this story, were 91 years old, and they were down here. And about 1030, I opened the back door and realized we've got a problem because the streets are shut down and there's snow coming down. Long story short, as a blessing, we cook on Tuesdays and eat together as a kind of family style here at the clinic. And so we had two big bots of chili. And so seven patients and two doctors spent the night down here during that snowstorm because we weren't letting the Malones get back on, um, on the road. And so then the next day I got to come and get him in my, in my Jeep and drive him home. And y'all love the fact that his first name was Truman because nobody under age 90 anymore is named Truman. <laughs> um, but the reason I bring him up is he was 92, sharp as a tack, but very physically frail. And uh, many of y'all may have parents that, that, you know, in getting in that stage, um, and he had quit having colonoscopies at age 70. And this is a man of plenty of means to continue to have screening colonoscopies and plenty of education, but he was told he didn't have to, he was 70. Well, he lived 22 more years. Now he's 91 turning 92. And I have to tell him, you may make it through surgery and you may not. And so that's my, that's my discussion I have with people who are 78 and say, I don't want to have another colonoscopy. I'm like, well, as long as you're going to die in the next couple of years, then that's okay. But if you want to live to be 90, and if you're 78 and healthy, you probably will make it to 90, then I implore you, please keep getting screened. And then I, as a surgeon, won't be in the position of telling Truman Malone, you're going to struggle to get through this surgery. Now, luckily, he made it, and he made it three more years and did great. And, and we cured his cancer. But he should have never had cancer. He just should have never had it. So whether you're 56 or 92, screening colonoscopies will save a life, and uh, and it'll it'll keep you doing what you want to do with your children, with your spouse, and with your grandchildren. Um, so let me hush and see if I can pull up the QA thing, and if somebody wants to uh, send a question well, in, and it can be anything about anything, I'll be more than happy to uh, to spend another. 10 minutes or so answering questions. Dr. Parker, this is Sandy. Um, and I've been posting in the chat telling people I had my first one at 50 and it's the best nap I've ever had. And I would, and the prep was not bad for me, but I had the good juice, not, not the gallon juice. But I have had people texting me outside of this who are sitting in here asking about, wait, did he say 45 or 50? Can you elaborate a little bit more on the 45 versus 50 sure. first one? So, and I don't like to throw my Blue Cross buddies um, under the wind, but uh, data says it should be 45. Some would argue 40. But the current black and white screening recommendations, and I say Blue Cross because they have 72% market share in Alabama. So, but, you know, 
is what it is, but the current, what your, what your insurance policy will pay for is still age 50. Uh, the current society guidelines, American uh, Cancer Society and the Colorectal Society, those guidelines have changed to 45. Uh, so there's a little bit of discrepancy there. And what we hope is with enough um, gentle pressure that our insurance company brothers and sisters will understand that we're tired of seeing 46-year-olds with cancer and, uh, and that they will come on board. And we expect that to happen in the next three years. So the hard and fast rule right now is still 50, even though the national recommendations from the medical societies are changing um, the insurance, what's going to pay for it. And that does matter. I mean, that you have to take finances into account. Uh, it's still 50 right now with our state. And Mark, we had a question that there's differences between the screening age for men and women. Right. Um, there is no difference. Um, if, um, and that's like what I was saying earlier. Now, the recommendations, again, uh, are, are equal but if we want to talk numbers, and this is why I always kind of speak to women because women are the directors of medicine for their husbands a lot of times or for their boyfriends or their fiancés. So the data is this. And again, in our state, we, we, we call it like it is. So let's just talk honest. Women are here and men are here in their screening rates. And then if you, if you really stratify that out, and this is where it really matters, it's like this. White women, black women, white men, black men. So men are way low, but in each demographic, we have, we have a, a road to catch up on in our African-American community screening rates. Um, and there are a multitude of factors that we've looked at in that standpoint. Um, and there are many initiatives that we are currently trying to do, but at the end of the day, the way to increase screening rates is you have a colonoscopy and you tell your circle of influence, just like what Sandy said, hey guys, it just wasn't that big a deal. Uh, you guys understand um, and know people that I will never meet in my daily walk. Everybody knows 50 people who know 50 people. You tell them at church, the ball field and wherever you go, go get your test. The problem is we live in the South where you can talk about breast biopsies in public. You can talk about leaking your urine if you had prostate surgery or a bladder attack, but nobody talks about the backside. But the, again, reality, let's talk about it for men. Prostate cancer and colon cancer are the two curable cancers. That's what we screen for. Women, breast cancer, mammogram, cervical cancer, pap smear, colon cancer, colonoscopy. Three curable cancers all with very proven screening tests. So again, that's what we're trying to get to. And then we have, another, see these other questions. we have another question regarding, um, you mentioned the color guard tests and some of the other screening tests right. and when those would be useful tests. Okay. So if, if everybody always asks me, boy, I bet you hate those color guard commercials because you're going to make less money. And I'm like, no, I love them because here's the deal. When a man gets a Cologuard test and his doctor says it's positive, his wife grabs him in a headlock and drags him to my office. And uh, so the Cologuard right now for me is very useful for people with high anxiety about getting a colonoscopy. 
But once you tell that same man that he has a positive test, now the worry bug gets on his shoulder. And now in his mind, he's dying. He's out there digging a hole in the backyard. He's done for. And that's where we have to understand, let's compare apples to apples when we talk about two different screening tests. I spend most of my time in that office visit reminding him that the data doesn't mean he has cancer, just means they picked up some DNA cells or they picked up some, whatever detection method that you're using, that something was detected. But what they hear uh, from the doctor is it's positive. Well, normally if you get a cancer test and it's positive, now we all think bad because most of us have had uh, wives or, or aunties or, or grandmas with a breast biopsy. If it, you know, like, is it positive or negative? Well, if it's positive, then you're like, oh no. So that being said, a cologuard test is equal to a colonoscopy to find a cancer. Okay, sure. Don't argue that. But a cologuard test is only 50% accurate in order to find a polyp. And a colonoscopy is 94% accurate in finding a polyp. So we do not want to wait until a polyp is a cancer in order to find it. So 50%, 94% accurate. That's why the colonoscopy is still the gold standard. And if the cologuard is positive, you still have to come get you know, your colonoscopy. Now, what does it really mean? And I'm a little jaded here. The, um, the Cologuard test reimburses to the company higher than what surgeons make to do a colonoscopy. So that was great marketing, you know, from a, from a financial standpoint. So obviously they're going to advertise it as equal and it is equal, but in finding a cancer, not in finding polyps. And this month, we want to highlight the fact that if we find polyps, you never get a cancer. And real quick, Mark, um, can you touch on people under 45 and symptoms that if they're mm, having any specific symptoms that they may want to go ahead and talk to their doctor yeah. and possibly even get a second opinion about having a colonoscopy early? Yeah, absolutely. So you don't have to wait until you're 50 or 45. Uh, to get a colonoscopy. So what I tell everybody is any symptom is a real symptom. And uh, the 36-year-old female, she goes to her OBGYN and OBGYN says, oh, you're fine. You're just bloated with some constipation. And, you know, you got an ovarian cyst. We saw that three years ago. And, uh, oh, well, you got a hemorrhoid from your baby. So you had a little bleeding. Or maybe it's even more vague than that. Um, and, uh, and you just don't feel right. Just something's just off. Uh, but it's a GI tract issue. Any symptom that's real and is persistent needs to be evaluated. Doesn't mean you're going to get a colonoscopy, but it needs to be evaluated. Um, my greatest example for that one, Amanda, is my partner. Uh, he and I were talking one day, and he's about to go do a couple of tests. And I was like, well, what's, what's this deal? That person looks young. He's a 39-year-old. He's doing a colonoscopy. She'd had some bleeding. Bright red huge set of hemorrhoids. No doubt that's why she's bleeding. Very common, very obvious. Single mom, 17-year-old, 15-year-old, husband out of the picture, gone. And uh, he calls me in there about five minutes later because he and I do surgeries together when we, and uh, he said, well, we're going to do this one next week. And we're looking at a low-lying tumor 
in the upper rectum, so about maybe that far in. So any blood that comes from a tumor that's low is going to be bright red like a hemorrhoid. And what I told him is the same thing that I tell my patients. I will never apologize about being an aggressive screener because we cured her with surgery. She didn't get chemo. She didn't get radiation. And uh, because we paid attention to her symptoms and because we worked them up, that single mom will see her kids graduate high school and college. Had she been blown off for two more years, then she would have most likely had a different story and, uh, and not seen those children get to graduation. So absolutely long answer, Amanda, to say every symptom, uh, bloating, changing bowel habits, uh, and those symptoms will cause your colonoscopy to be paid for by your insurance company. I, I hate to talk about finances, but it, it matters to people. Uh, a screen means you're asymptomatic. I got no issues. I just turned 50. Uh, I'm right as rain. I go every day and I'm fine. But any symptom puts you in a diagnostic category that's different and the insurance companies will pay for your colonoscopy at that point. Well, and I think another key thing you said was if you just don't feel right. So for my mom, her main symptom was fatigue. Other than that, she was fine. I mean, you know, she, but she was persistent with going to her primary care physician. And I think they literally ran every test under the sun and finally said, let's do a liver biopsy. And when they did, they found colon cancer that had already spread to her liver and she was 48 years old. So thankfully she let that, you know, like that um, worry bug on your owner's shoulder, as you mentioned, she took that serious and was like, no, there's still something else wrong. I need to keep searching for this where other folks may say, okay, well, they did this one test and I'm fine. If there's something that's going on, definitely pay attention to your body and, um, you know, seek a doctor who's going to listen to you and be with you in that journey to figure out what is going on. And, um, you know, so that way you can have a good positive outcome. Correct. And that's, that's um, obviously, you know, for you guys in the audience, Amanda's lived it and she's passionate about what she does and her family pours their heart into to the same thing that I pour my heart into. So I would be uh, remiss not to uh, thank her for her hard work uh, and having a great group of grassroots. And you're talking about this, a grassroots organization that started with about five girls who were going to Atlanta to run and, uh, and, and, and just friends with Amanda. Um, I think we've hit $1.1 million in money raised over the years. We've given yep. out almost $100,000 in scholarships to children of survivors and or uh, parents who were affected by colon cancer. Um, we have a golf tournament that raises money for the Scholarship Foundation. Um, but it's just all shows what one person with a few friends and a little bit of spunk uh, can get done and get accomplished. Uh, so last but not least, March 27th in Homewood, we're having the Rump Shaker 5K, which if you count last year, which we didn't run, but we kept the foundation going, this will be what number, Jackie? Or Amanda? It's our, it's our 13th. Sorry, That's I'm right. muting. So this is our 13th annual Rump Shaker 5K. Well, we're and gonna... Mark, I haven't even told you this, but, but CRI, we actually have a virtual team. So all of our offices... Are, are coming together and uh, we have the CRI, the bottom line team. So we are um, really excited about that this year. That's awesome. That's awesome. So there you have it. You guys have what you need. 
Uh, if there's any other questions or concerns that come up, um, obviously I, I don't do this to try to build my business, um, but we're also, what a lot of people do ask me when I leave and they catch me on the side and go, do you need a referral? Whether it's my office or whether it's another office in town, most GI offices and most colorectal surgery offices that I'm aware of, and I, I, I'm aware of most, do not require a referral. And so uh, don't make it, don't find a reason to make it hard to get in and be seen. Cause most docs are like, yeah, call, I'll see you anytime. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I'd leave you with is it's an easy process. It's one day out of the next five to 10 years of your life. Again, spouse, do it for your kids, do it for your grandkids, but also just do it for yourself. Cause you deserve to be taken care of in a way that um, keeps you disease free. Uh, in something that we can cure. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Semi Colon Club podcast. See you next time.